sports fans, fans of the Over Six Sports Podcast. It is your boy, Zach, the Bandit Burke, and with me, the once again bearded turf king, Cameron Charlton. What is going on today, brother? Oh, I mean, things are good. I know we talk, we're starting to talk more and more about amateur golf and not a great round, but you finish her off with a birdie today. So I'm feeling pretty good. That's what keeps you coming back as an amateur golfer. Have a terrible round, birdie the 18th, and you want to come back the next day and do it all over again. How's How the putter? Sorry, putter is butter. working amazing. I, I, I just kept blaming the equipment, so I had to keep changing the grip. And it's working awesome now. So it was the grip's fault. It had nothing to do with my putting because I'm a so great put- putter. Putter's no longer, wow, so humble. Putter's no longer for sale. No, we're going to keep her around for a little bit longer. Okay, probably, yeah, probably a smart decision. I like it. I like it. I mean, I don't, uh, I mean, I have no use for a left-handed putter. So glad you can just hang on to that. So, yeah, no, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing well. Um, you know, pretty wild day today just in general and obviously we got a lot of stuff to get into but um man it's like uh you know it's it's having the olympics in july has just been so good because the jays right now are just not they're just shit right now after coming into the all-star break don't know what happened they're not playing great um they're all not getting pitching help too, but having the Olympics as an, as a distraction and just all the storylines that are coming out of it, um, it has made a July, you know, July a month where normally it's boring and kind of we're winding up to the, to the NFL season where it's normally slow and it's not. And it's just provided a lot of good content and every, especially, uh, to being in Tokyo. I mean, it's on TV every night at 9 p.m. So <laughs> I know some people don't like it because it goes late into the night. For But for night owls like myself, it's uh, I couldn't ask for anything better. Man, I just love the Olympics. Like last night, I stayed up way too late watching the Olympics up at uh, quarter to four. It's, uh, this Tokyo Olympics isn't great, but I just got so into it. I just started watching indoor volleyball. And man, it is so intense to watch. And I probably haven't played since high school, but... Man, these guys are so good. They're hitting at like 120 kilometers an hour. Oh, I'm just getting nuts. into every point. And then you like started staying up. And then it's like 930. And I'm like, well, Penny Alexiak swimming at 940. So I might as well stay up now. I'm yep. already this close. So, man, I'm just getting into so every sport. Like, I'm going to sit here tonight, probably watch a bit of the golf, watch a bit of the rugby. It's just awesome to see all these different sports that you don't see. You see every four years. I just get so invested in them. It's so much fun. Well, and we're going to get into some Olympic topics a little bit later. Um, you know, there, there's quite a few things that I that I want to get into, but uh, just more of a social or TV commentary on that is is like the one thing that the Olympics does that I love, and it's kind of what you mentioned is it makes you watch sports that you normally wouldn't watch at all. Like, when was the last time that I was invested in like a badminton game, or I was invested in a triathlon, you know what I mean? Like all this stuff or like cycling or, you know, skateboarding or, um, you know, well, swimming, frankly, or gymnastics, like all of these things are things that I legitimately can say that I never cared about really. Like you follow obviously the big names and stuff, but like, they're like, Oh, this girl won the world cup of swimming last year. I'm like, I had no freaking idea. Like th- this is not something that I normally follow. So it does just kind of broaden the horizons a little bit and just kind of open up your eyes to a world of sport outside of the NFL, NBA, MLB, uh, that kind of thing. 
And it's just the funniest thing. Like you watch some of the diving and you're like, oh, I really don't understand the scoring. And then like half an hour later, you're like, yeah, that was such a big splash. That guy's going to get a horrible score. You just get so invested in it for no reason. Just the love of sport, I guess. And like watching the all the different thing? sports, like the weightlifting today, like the guy, the Chinese guy, like does this like clean and jerk, pulls it up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was good. That was good. And then, like, the judge was like, no, it's no good. His elbow was bent. I was like, oh, of course. His elbow was bent. Obviously, fucking idiot. That doesn't count. Get your ass off the off the platform. That's garbage pull. I mean, he's lifting two and a half times his own body weight, and I'm here, like, sitting at home, like, drinking a coffee on my fat ass, just being like, yeah, you idiot. Why can't you do 110 kilograms? Come on. Yeah. Anyways, it's so much fun, but today has been a crazy day in the yeah, NHL. Where, where do you want to start just, with that? It's just been nuts. I mean, was a do lot. I want to start. Yeah, I think the first place I want to start is just the goaltending turnover. Carousel. How many teams have a new? Yeah. How many teams have a new goaltender today? Like, what teams the don't NHL? have a new goaltender? I think that's the better question. Montreal. Like, that's about it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's like one of the only teams who does, and or the teams that that do, uh, the, the, the sorry that don't have a new goaltender or goaltenders that have bad contracts and or are just they just can't get anybody to go there. Like Buffalo has zero NHL goalies right now, so that's fun. Yeah, so I'll just start listing off. I know we can get into some of these deals in a little bit, but here's kind of all the big goalies who have moved today. So we got Jonathan Bernier to the Devils, James Reimer to the Sharks. Grubauer to the Kraken, David Riddick to the Preds, Carter Hutton to the Yotes, Maxime Legacy to Tampa Bay, Peter Morazic to the Leafs, Brian Elliott to Tampa Bay, Halak to the Canucks, Laurent Brassois to Vegas, Holtby to Dallas, Martin Jones to Philly, Frederick Anderson to Carolina, Picard to Detroit, Eric Comrie is going to stay in uh, Winnipeg, and Nadelkovic to Detroit. I know that happened the other day, but... This is crazy. And then you add Darcy Kemper just got traded to the Avs. So I'm not even going to remember, have any idea what goalie plays for what team to start the season. Well, I mean, there's one name. I think this is a good place to go with goalies, but there's one name that stands out among the rest of a goalie that got traded, and that was Marc-Andre Fleury getting traded to uh, Chicago for a bucket of pucks. Now, Obviously, it's a cat move, and I think I I I love to get your opinion on like just the logic of this trade because Chicago. I I saw this funny like meme tweet or whatever, and it was like Mark Andre Fleury on the Chicago Blackhawks, and it was like a Lambo sitting in the driveway of a of like a shack, and I'm like, so what? Like I just don't get the trade from Chicago's perspective because if there is that actual risk of him of Mark Andre Fleury retiring because he basically came out a while ago and said that. You know, if I move on, like if I get traded from Vegas, like I, I will seriously consider retirement. Like, I don't know if I can do this to my family, yada, yada, yada. And he gets traded and we'll get into the semantics of that in a second here. But um, I don't really see the logic from Chicago's perspective. Like, are they trying to convince him to like play for their team just to sell tickets for the next couple of years when they're shit? Because like, I don't know. Some of Chicago's moves, I don't think they're going to be as shit as you may think. And I think Flurry is a great player to bring in, especially they had a rookie goalie who had a really good year in Lankinen. Is Flurry not like is Flurry not a guy you'd want in the room to help mentor a guy and stuff? And you're giving up nothing to do it. 
Like, and if he doesn't come, it's really not that big of a deal because the salary cap doesn't hit them. The NHL's come out and said that if he retires and never plays for them, the salary cap from him retiring isn't going to hit Chicago. I guess there's a clause somewhere in there. So to me, it makes a lot of sense. You're taking on Flurry for nothing. Yeah, it's quite a bit of money, but again, this guy literally just won the Vesna. For Chicago, it makes a ton of sense. I'm like, how could Vegas get nothing for him? Some team had to pay nothing. up for him. Yeah, nothing. like it just. How could he, yeah nothing? This guy's the reigning Vesna champion, and he did. And he's been fine and, in the playoffs. Sorry, not only is he reigning Vesna champion, but he's won. Was it three Stanley Cups? He's been he's has he's been nominated before. And like this isn't just like they're trading some bum like like Ed Belfort to, at the end of his career to the Leafs. Like this is not that kind of situation. Like this guy put up numbers last year, and yeah, I mean he didn't necessarily play his best in the playoffs by any means um but there's still definitely still some life there so for him to get traded for a no okay now that i say this it's probably going to turn out but like a no-name prospect for mark andre Fleury. like i was watching an interview today basically demar Derozan talking to uh uh that shannon guy oh man it's gonna kill me but anyway the the guy that does a talk show he's he's with uh skip bayless um, anyway, uh, basically was just saying like, oh, like I was blindsided by Masai, this and the other thing said I wasn't going to get traded, but at least I was, tra- I knew I was traded for Kawhi Leonard and that had some, um, n- not comfort, but just like, I wasn't, I wasn't just given away, right? I was traded for somebody who's a star, a stud, somebody who they thought could bring a championship more than me. This trade on the other hand. Like, I don't know how you can phrase this to flurry other than we don't like your cap space. You're not have you don't have any home here in Vegas anymore. And goodbye. Like, don't let the door hit you on the way out, especially considering they didn't even tell him. Yeah, I mean, Vegas has just treated Marc-Andre Fleury horrible. The guy just comes in. He's the face of your franchise. Everything he's done. He got you to Stanley Cup final your first year. Like, he's been amazing for your franchise. Marc-Andre Fleury has to be one of the most liked players in the NHL. Like, what can you say bad about Marc-Andre Fleury? This guy's in the hallway joking around with the guys in full goaltending equipment doing cartwheels. Like, he just seems like a blast to be around. And this is, like, the second and third time that Vegas has basically just stabbed him in the back, not give him the respect he deserves. And, I mean, I don't feel bad about them not getting anything for him with the way they treat him. This is... A Hall of Fame goalie, easily. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he's done so much for a brand new franchise. And to give him zero respect is, it's just, it's crazy to me. It's a joke. It's what it is. It's a joke. And I'm not like, I, I'm not gonna pretend that I'm the biggest Mark Andre Fleury fan in the world. Like I just, frankly, like I, I've never cheered for Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I've never obviously cheered for Vegas. Like I can give him the respect that he's due, absolutely. But I'm not about to sit here and say like. Oh, like, you know, this guy's the, you know, this guy's my boy, all that kind of stuff. But just from the fact that I don't feel like any veteran player needs to be treated like this. Like this is, this is the, the worse than, uh, Jason Spezza signing with the Leafs and Bab sitting him in the, in the first home game. Like you sign with your hometown, a dream of yours and you get sat, you get healthy scratch in the, in the home opener, like just a big old fuck you to Jason Spezza. And like, you know, people were choked up about that. Like, this is much, much worse. And I, I don't, I just don't understand. Like, d- d- like, does McCrimmon not have like the balls to to call him up and say, "Hey, 
uh, you're traded for nothing. Like going back to Masai Ujiri, I, you know, DeMar DeRozan hung up on Masai Ujiri when he called him and told him that he was traded. But at least Masai Ujiri had the balls to call his own player and be like, hey, DeMar, um, we love you. We had to trade you. And he won a chip the next year, which was helpful. But um, like, <laughs> at least you had the guts to do it. Like just to not say anything to the agent, not say anything to the player. And it just gets leaked on Twitter. And then you come out afterwards and say like, it was just lip service. Like them talking about, oh, he's meant so much to this franchise. Like, thanks for this. Thanks for that. Like, seriously, shut your mouth. Like nobody wants to hear that garbage after the fact. Like, like I just, I don't know. I just thought it was such a joke. Yeah, I, I really don't have much more to say. Like, everything they've done to him, bringing him Leonard, everything they've kind of done around Flurry, he's done nothing but great things for your franchise. And you know what? He deserves to be somewhere else that actually wants him. So, like, if he I, plays. Yeah, yeah, if he plays. And if he doesn't, he has the right to do that, too. You get it. He's had a great career, a phenomenal career, a Hall of Fame career. If he wants to just be like, yeah, I don't want to keep moving around. I don't want to do that. I want to spend time with your fam- with my family. All the power to him. And he deserves it. Oh, for sure. No, no doubt about it. And I, you know, I, I would, I would like to think that he will play in Chicago. I know a lot of people are saying he, he probably won't, but I like to think that he would, I love to see him do it just to basically say like, you're going to trade me for nothing. I'm going to come out. And when I play you this year, you're going to regret it. Yeah, and I really hope if he ends up playing for Chicago that he gets a bunch of shutouts or a bunch of wins against Vegas and just basically, yeah, you suck it, basically. The biggest the, the biggest of all suck it. So your boy, speaking of which, um, not, well, terrible transition, but your, your, your boy Dano goes to the Kings. So I know that you were hoping to sign Dano. Are you, are you okay with losing the pizza man? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't shock me. He wanted more of an opportunity to be a scoring center. He didn't really like the shutdown role, so L.A. makes sense. You have Kopitar already there, who's that shut shutdown Selkie winner, so maybe it'll give Dano a little more upside. A little disappointed. I don't know what Montreal's going to do in center. Like, they're super young right now. You look down the middle, Suzuki, KK, uh, Jake Evans, Ryan Paling. They're super, tons of potential, but super young. So not having him there definitely hurts, but, I mean, you get it. He guy wants to be more of a star. I don't know if LA is the place in compared to Montreal to be more of a star, but maybe I'll have the chance to put up more points. And it's flashy it down seems, there, though. Yeah, it seemed like it was kind of over in Montreal for him, and it seems shocking because he's a Quebecois guy. But yeah, disappointed, but kind of understand the move, and we'll see what where where Montreal goes from here with the center. What did the, what did Montreal do today that you liked or didn't like? Yeah, I really liked. I guess like everything they did, I don't really understand the Mike Hoffman deal. Three years, thirteen and a half million. The guy could score. He's proved he could score, but his five on five play is not great. So it's interesting. They've uh, that power play could be lethal. You got Caulfield and Hoffman now opposite wings. You got a guy like Suzuki who can run it. Uh, Davis Savard, a great deal. And when you hear from him that as soon as he got an offer from Montreal, he didn't even look at the salary. He's just like, "Yep, yeah, I want to go there. It's with the team I grew up cheering for. My family wants to go there." So I don't really care what the deal says. I'm signing it. So to get David Savard for $4 million per year for the next four is huge. That's a great contract for him. And that's going to help fill the void uh, for Weber. So that is a great move that kind of brings back, you know, you have that top four again, and that's big for Montreal. That's what helped them in the playoffs. Well, and I guess we'll have to see if they're able to kind of build on that, you know, build on that playoff 
playoff run momentum and hopefully they don't have that hangover obviously weber if he if he does miss the entire year which it sounds like he will um you know hopefully savard can as as you said kind of fill that void and um he's not going to be able to fill all the shoes but you don't necessarily have to do that right you just got to provide enough that that some of the other guys can you know if everybody pitches in just a little bit more then um you're just trying to mitigate the damage as much as possible uh in terms of the Leafs so the Leafs signed Peter Mrazek to a three-year deal um I think it was oh geez was it 3.8 Mrazek was for the Leafs or 11.4 divided by three is something like that yeah so three 3.8 um you know people were talking about this is going to be a 1a 1b tandem with Campbell and Mrazek and I'm kind of like uh I, if you look at his stats compared to Frederick Anderson's stats, they're not that dissimilar. The only difference is, is that Frederick Anderson played more games um, than Mrazek did. So, I mean, that's you can't really compare the stats the same because if you play more games, the likelihood of you getting lit up and, and, and a whole bunch of other games is going to be higher than when you don't play at all, obviously. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it, I've been I've been on this drum that I thought that Frederick Anderson was a top ten goalie in the NHL um, for a while, and just because he's not on the Leafs anymore and he signed with the Carolina Hurricanes because they take all the old Leafs goalies uh, apparently, um, but like I, I'm not about to sit here and say that this is a, a lateral move. I don't. I think it's a downgrade. But um, that being said, I think that you know it's it's pretty obvious that the Leafs are going with Jack Campbell as their guy, and you know, is it okay to have healthy competition? Yeah, sure. I don't think it's really good to necessarily be a competition. Would I love if Mraza came out and was, you know, completely unbelievable and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I would never say that, you know, I would never not hope for that. Um, but it's not something I expect, right? Like, I don't want to, there's so many Leafs fans who are like, oh, that's a great move. As soon as you, it, it's so, like, this is what also infuriates me about Leafs fans, and I am a Leafs fan, but why is it that every time the Leafs sign to somebody who, has a recognizable name it's like this guy's the guy like and you could say well it's because it's toronto well no it's not because it's toronto it's because people are stupid i don't i seriously don't get it like what like i mean i look at that from this perspective if if like they signed michael bunting today i had to ask you i'm like who the hell is this guy because i have no idea i've never heard of him ever and you're like oh it's a great pickup at you're telling me great pickup at 900k He's and you said to me the poor man Zach Hyman. I like the sounds of that. You see any Leaf fans talking about it? No. If his last name was Stahl, for for example, one of the Stahl brothers, they'd be like, "Oh my gosh, we got a Stahl brother. This is crazy." Blah blah blah. Even if they had the exact same stat line, it wouldn't matter. The fact that it's Michael Bunting and people just don't talk about it. So why are we, you know, like why are people touting Mrazek as this? Con- I don't know. That, that's. Oh, sorry, a little bit of a rant, but I just, I don't know. I just yeah, don't know. To me, to me, it's a fine move. Uh, I still think it's a downgrade. You get into analytics comparing Mrazek to Anderson. Mrazek plays, faces way less higher opportunity chances in Carolina. Carolina is a great structural team. Great defensively. They always, they just pound out top end D. So Mrazek's stats were slightly higher, but his analytics when you get into scoring chances and stuff were actually slightly worse. Frederick Anderson technically was better if you start looking at like wins above replacement and stuff just a slight downgrade do i think it's a fine move especially for the contract yes it's fine i think you're hoping that mrazic's still going to play 30 to 40 games and then you're going to get 40 to 50 out of jack campbell unless things go bad 
and then it could go the other way. But I think you're going to give the 1A to Jack Campbell, 1B to Morazic, in my opinion, and you're going to give him quite a few games. Uh, I like the Michael Bunting signing. As you said, you didn't really know much about him. He was in Phoenix or Arizona, and he was good, and he got called to the World Championship team with this weird year, and he's just one of those solid players. He's got to go into every corner. He's got to battle hard. He's kind of an energy player, and he showed some scoring upside. He had, I think, 20 points this year, which isn't great, but... For nine hundred K, I'll take yeah. I'll take twenty points. Yeah, nine hundred thousand dollars. That's where I'm like, he's a great depth guy. He fits what the Leafs I thought were missing in the first round was a guy who could kind of play up and down the lineup, but you really want on your third or fourth line to just bring energy, have a little bit of scoring touch, do all those things. Like he like when you look at Montreal, he reminds me of something like Joel Armia, who can kind of do all those little things, gonna play physical, gonna have energy, but can put the puck in the net when he gets the chances. So to me, I actually really like that. They made a couple other AHL moves today, but overall, I think what they did is fine. Michael Bunting, I think a lot of Leafs fans are going to like in a hurry. And Peter Mrazek's Peter Mrazek. He's a 1B goaltender, and he's a, quite a good 1B goaltender. He's one of the better backups or fringe starters in the league, and I think that's what the Leafs were trying to get anyways. Well, and, you, and I mean, there's definitely still holes to fill, no doubt, and, and I'm sure this will we'll talk about this again. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but... Um, you know, at least obviously lose Bogosian, signs to the Tampa, back with Tampa for three more years. Um, they lose Zach Hyman to the Oilers at seven years at five and a half. Uh, I want to talk about that real quick here, but and they also lose Frederick Anderson to Carolina, as I said. Zach Hyman at seven years, five and a half. So he was, there was rumors that he was basically talking to Leafs about, you know, they were, they wanted a four year deal and he wanted six and a half, six point seven million on a four year deal. Uh, ended up going to Edmonton, as I said, but for five and a half or seven, seven year contract for Zach Hyman. It's a lot that that's that. I mean, again, don't get me wrong. He's a really, really good player. And um, listening to kind of sports pundits today, like there's some points to be made. Like he's played with John Tavares. He's played with um, Austin Matthews, two studs in the league. And now he's going to go play with dry and McDavid. Um, so there, you know, playing with good players is something that some players have to learn, and it won't be something that Hyman has to learn because he's done it his whole career with the Leafs. Um, but I don't know, seven years for that's that's a long that's a long deal for somebody that's not Matthews, Tavares, McDavid, Drysaddle, Ovi, whatever the case is, I don't, or Landeskog, McKinnon. Like th- these are all people that Zach Hyman's name shouldn't even really be mentioned in there. So. I, I'm not saying it's an overpay necessarily. Um, like I, th- I just think that the term is it's just it's just really long. Yeah, but that's what you you're gonna give up term to get the salary cap down. They actually wanted the eighth year, and Toronto was stubborn, so Toronto turned down a third round and a fifth round pick for Zach Hyman's right, so that Edmonton couldn't get that eight year and move down the salary cap. Apparently, Dubas's comments was he didn't want to help Edmonton get their cap hit down. You gave up a third and a fifth round pick, though. You weren't signing the guy. It just seems silly to me. They're not in the same division anymore. Yeah. But no, I was going to say that. Makes, You're not even in the same it division. Makes, Who cares? It makes a lot of sense to me. Zach Hyman reminds me a lot of what like Chris Kunitz could be. Not the most talented player, works his ass off, and can play with those skilled players. It's a skill to be able to play with those top-end guys. Yep. You watch Some guys can't do it, and Hyman can. Uh, I, I don't think it's a crazy hot take. I think Hyman's going to have his career year this year. And so when I look at that contract, do I think he's going to have four good years? I think so. I think four yeah. good years for Hyman is pretty easy. Then the salary cap is going to go up by quite a bit in four years. 
we're anticipating a massive bump in four years after this flat cap is over. So then five and a half, can you kind of hide if the cap goes up by 10, 15 million? You can yeah, hide sure. that difference. I think Hyman will still be, even at that time, two or $3 million player because he just brings that energy and he can play down the lineup. So for me, getting him at five and a half for like seven years makes a lot more sense than getting him at like when you're hearing six and a half for like three or four. That extra million dollars with the flat cap hurts. Lots. So yeah. that's where the seven years makes actually a lot of sense. And I think the next two years of Zach Hyman's career could be huge. I think playing with McDavid, especially he's got the speed. He can go get the puck. He can do all the things. He's proven that he can put it in when he needs to. I think he's going to have one of those years that will remind us like Chris Kunitz and stuff where maybe not the most skilled, but he can play with the skilled guys. And that's a huge asset to have, especially for a guy like McDavid, who's had trouble finding wingers who can play with him. Well, I, I do hope that for him. I, I don't hold any ill will to Zach Hyman whatsoever. I do think it's dumb that the Leafs didn't take picks for it personally. As I said, as I kind of said before, like I just, all right, that makes no sense to me. If it was the if it was the North Division again, fine. But let's just remember too that if it it's not going to be the North Division for another eight years, like I, I like I don't know the logic here. Maybe Dubas was just feeling a little bummed out that he's losing in that guy needs to fill that hole. I think that's the other part of it, right? Like you get, you got to fill that Zach Zach Hyman sized hole. Um, you know, in your top six and the Leafs, I think have five and a half million cap space left after today or somewhere around that. Um, and I think you got an extra roster or two spaces to fill. So there's going to definitely be some crunching and I, I don't imagine this roster is over, but um, obviously I, I personally hope that he does well in Edmonton and I don't mind Edmonton. I, you know, I just don't really care about Edmonton other than this year. Cause they are in our division, but when they're not, we're going to see them, what, twice a year, if that, right? So, anyway, anything else in free agency that really stood out to you? I think I... I think well, i, I got to give a big shout-out to uh, Brock McGinn. Signs four years, $11 million in Pittsburgh. That's a big contract for uh, Fergus Boy, a guy I grew up with, and uh, good for him. Little, a little under $3 million for a year for four years. He's going to do all right for himself. That's not a bad That's not a bad gig. If you paid me $11 million to play a game, I, I mean there's I, I i would do uh i would do the savard thing like put a contract in front of me and, and just be like hey here's a contract for the lease just sign it i'd be like okay 700 grand 900 grand whatever i don't care let alone yeah, three the other, million <laughs> the other big thing that stood out to me is just dougie hamilton's contract seemed like very little in comparison to like seth jones dougie hamilton's numbers are way better than seth jones they're not quite as good as kill mccarr who signed a very friendly contract but for Dougie Hamilton to sign in New Jersey for one makes zero sense to me. What the heck's going on in New Jersey that you want to sign there? And he signed Subans relatively there. cheap. Yeah, I don't know if that's somewhere you want to sign. But seven <laughs> years, $63 million seems pretty reasonable for everything Dougie Hamilton brings. Like, he's proving that he's a number one D. And everything he brings, that seems kind of shocking to me that he didn't get more, especially being on the open market. Like, you understand when an RFA like Kale McCarr doesn't get as much, but a guy who's on the open market, it seemed kind of surprising to me and especially to want to go to New Jersey. I mean, in the words of how I met your mother and Ted Mosby, it's New Jersey. Nothing will make me want to go to New Jersey. Um, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. I just, I, there, there's a lot of that stuff though. Like the, the one thing that I, that I, that stands out to me, is how many people wanted to go to the Bruins, which it's not shocking because the Bruins just have that kind of culture. But 
every little Twitter article is like, oh, this guy's going to the Bruins. This guy's going to the Bruins. I'm like, holy shit. Like, is there anybody that's not going to the Bruins here? And I was like, is the whole Bruins team not playing for them anymore? Like, I didn't think they were losing that many guys. Yeah, I mean, they made definitely some big moves. He didn't, uh, Tuka Rask is out to the start of the year, so it was nice for them to pick up Linus Allmark. He'll be huge for them. He's been great for Buffalo, and Buffalo's horrible. So, Buffalo Eric has Hall, no Nick Foligno, Derek Forbert. Yeah, I don't really know what they're going to do there, but they'll they'll hopefully find a goalie. What if they? What if well, nobody's willing to sign for them? Bro, could you imagine you had to start like basically like David Ayers in net because you're like there's not a person like not a goalie on the planet who wants to play for Buffalo and just get lit up six seven goals a night. Like I thought they we thought they were a dumpster fire last year. I, jeez man, I there's nothing that make that convinces me that they're going to be any better this year. They could be worse. They actually might be the worst team in the NHL next year, like in NHL, NHL history. And I thought that was this year. Yeah, I mean, they definitely made some smart moves, and their defense should be pretty solidified. You have two first overall picks on your defensive, and they got a couple other pieces. But, yeah, I don't really know what's going on with that franchise. They definitely made some smart moves. They got quite a bit for Sam Reinhart. They had the first overall pick. So these are all good things, but... Yeah, I don't know what Buffalo does, and I don't know if you, you as a Leafs fan want David Ayer starting, what, five or six games against you this season? You don't want to relive Probably that nightmare not. again. Probably not. You think they can, like, call Ryan Miller and be like, Ryan, come out of retirement, man. Come back. We need you. Yeah, I just think David Ayers is maybe the wrong guy. So I think that pretty much touched on most of what I want to touch on. There were some good moves. I was definitely thinking when I heard the rumor that Nick Benino was going to sign in Toronto, I thought that would have been a great move, but he ended up signing with the Sharks. But – there's a lot of turnover this year. It seems crazy. Like most years it's like, okay, this guy resigns, this guy resigns. Oh, this guy waited to free agency, but he resigns. This year there's players all over the place. It's gonna take a little getting used to to start the NHL season. And I'm gonna have like I'm gonna be shocked. I'm gonna watch a game and I'm like, wait, these goalies play for each this? We're gonna watch the first Toronto Carolina game and it's gonna be Mrazic versus Anderson, but in different jerseys. Yeah, it's gonna be it's absolutely gonna be wild. This was more reminiscent to me of like an NBA free agency kind of thing where like the NBA has turnover every single year. Like guys are always on the move. There's a lot of drama involved. And this is like the first year where like on TSN, like free agency frenzy was actually free agency frenzy, where they basically like Pierre Lebrun, I think, basically tweeted every five minutes from like nine AM to still. Like he hasn't stopped. So anyway. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I can't wait for the NHL season to kick off. Um, but keeping on line with that, uh, there's this, this was a, a little bit ago, so it's obviously been talked about. We haven't been able to talk it on this show a little bit, but the NHL, NHL draft, um, Logan Mayu selected by the Montreal Canadiens after he requested not to be selected due to his uh, legal issues that happened while he was playing overseas and he wanted to make himself a better person, prove himself, yada, yada, yada. Unrealistic to expect once you've declared that you're not going to get picked, but the Habs picked him in the first round and just set off a shitstorm after all the positive press that they've had over the last couple of months, just dropped an absolute bombshell on the hockey world. Yeah, to me, it just it made zero sense. I don't, I don't understand it. Trevor Timmons, their head scout, didn't really want to say much about it. Doesn't sound like it was his option. This is on Mark Bergevin, and that's all it sounds like. He made the choice here, and it didn't make any sense. 
NHL, you can't rescind your draft status. You can't do it the same way like NFL and NBA where you declare for the draft. You don't do that the same way in the NHL. Once you turn of age, you can be drafted. There's guys drafted all the time who are never coming to the NHL who are going to stay in Russia forever. So you can't do that. That's not the way the NHL works. So, but it just doesn't make any sense. I know he would have been drafted anyways. There's lots of teams who said they or lots of rumors that they would have been picked in the second and third round. And he would have, you've learned in every sport that no matter how bad somebody, something does, they're going to get a second chance at some point. So somebody was going to draft him somewhere, but yeah, everything that Montreal has gone through over the last year at every positive press, all these good guys they got playing for them. You can't make this pick right now. I understand it's a need. You needed a right hand D especially after losing Kale Fleury in the expansion draft, but you can't make this. Um, touching on the actual stuff around Logan Mayu, what he did is not something that should be allowed, and definitely it's nice to see kind of how Montreal is going to help him get through it. But the only thing I will say about this, and I, I know I might get uh, thrown in the fire for this, is I'm pretty sure every person who's been in high school has had something similar or knows somebody who has done something similar. Not that it's right, I'm not saying it's right, but I think it's a little overblown to be perfectly honest. So yeah, it's hard for me to touch on this subject. I bet you there's lots of other guys in the draft who just haven't got caught or it hasn't been a bigger deal. But anyways, it's just a pick you can't make. I, yeah, I don't understand it. And uh, right away, I was thinking that like, we can't have Bergevin here. You saw Jeff Molson wasn't happy with it. Uh, they came out today, said he will not attend rookie camp. He will not attend main camp, but they want to work off with him for his future. So it's it's just an interesting pick because, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know if he was the most highly skilled player there, but he was the position to need, and I, I still don't understand it to this day. Well, I think that I just want to go really quickly back here to kind of what you're saying about you know high school and all that kind of stuff and and everybody doing that so the nice thing about our platform is is that you can have whatever opinion that you want i mean i this is one of the things that bothers me is is that in this day and age, i'm gonna sound like the oldest man ever but like in this day and age um like it, it like why, why should someone get crucified for having a difference of opinion um especially when it's something that um as you said, yes, like it's not right what that action was, but, you know, talking about it being overblown and stuff, I think it's more along the lines of it's just that, you know, especially after the whole sexual assault thing that came out with the Chicago Blackhawks and there is already a stain on the league for that. Well, not the whole league, but like definitely the Blackhawks organization that like the timing of it was just awful. And I, I firmly believe in, 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 in second chances and all that kind of stuff. And whether I agree, well, I don't agree that it, what he did was right, but whether I agree or disagree that this guy deserves a second chance, um, you know, like there's a lot of people in life who, who don't get second chances and a lot of people who do. And is it fair or not fair? I don't know. I'm not the judge of that. Um, but he, he did get a second chance and, and we'll see what happens with it. But I don't know. I just, um, I, I just think that it's more defining of the culture like, I think that's the, you know, having played hockey for a long time, you as well, um, like th this is, I think, maybe desensitized to us, perhaps. And I I've seen a lot of people online talking about, um, 
you know, her perspective, which I think is completely valid. And I think that a lot of people who have played some level of sport, especially team sports like hockey, are completely desensitized to this kind of stuff because it's so, so common, which is, which is, that's a culture problem, right? Like that's, that's not a, you know, this, this is not saying that everybody who plays organized sports or anybody who plays hockey and not, not all of us have done this. I've definitely not. Uh, but you know, like it's, you know, it's, it's just something that if you've been around that environment, it's like, oh yeah, okay, that's normal. Even though it's wrong, it's like, oh, that's, that happens all the time. And it's pretty evident in the NHL right now, especially with, well, even just in also junior hockey, like the hazing and the, the sexual, like the sexual hazing, um, the sexual assault in Chicago, like you kind of need this, some sort of culture change. And I don't know what's going to be the catalyst to get it going, but, um, <laughs> this this definitely did not help this this image that the NHL currently has right now. That's that's to be sure. And yeah, just well, uh, we'll two last points. The one thing that stands out is Mark Bergevin was a part of the Chicago Blackhawks organization when everything was going on with Chicago. He denies knowing anything about it. That's horseshit. Anybody believe what or- you want. Yeah, yeah believe no. what you want. But now to make a pick like this, it's just like, what are you doing? This just looks bad and everything. And yeah, by no means do I think what he's doing is right. And as you said, it's, yeah, maybe we're a little desensitized to it because of what happened. By no means am I saying that, but there's definitely people online who are full on cancel him, like never let him in the league. No, this is, this is not, he didn't murder multiple people. He didn't go and do, yeah, some of that stuff. Like he made a mistake and yeah, it's something that I definitely think we need to get rid of in the hockey culture, but it does happen. It's not the worst thing ever. So for me, he deserves a second chance and whether this is the way to go about the second chance, especially after everything he said, no, it isn't. If he wanted to stay out of the draft and thinks he needed to earn a second chance, then I fully would have backed what he said. But again, I'm, I'm against cancel culture in general. I think we need to move past things and things need to be moved on from and second chances. But yeah, there's a lot of question marks here and Mark Bergevin couldn't be the guy drafting him. And he was, and yep, it looks bad on Mark Bergevin, especially, and the Canadians organization, which is a hugely respected organization. To do something like this to them is not good. And that culture, too, like talking about second chances, right? Is like this guy, like, like you're just assuming that he's a bad person, right? Like, but like, if, like, we, I mean, again, not trying to defend the, the perpetrator, right? Again, totally considering what the victim had to, had to go through it in her experiences. Um, but like, if this is the culture you're brought up with and you're a 17 year old kid and this is what you did and this is what you think that you need to do to be accepted. Like there's a lot of things that happened in high school or a lot of decisions that people make based upon what they think they need to do to be accepted, which is not a, not a good thing. And I think that's what I'm more so meaning when I'm talking about culture is, is that if that's an accepted practice or is that, if that's something that, you know, that person feels that they need to do to either be cool, to be accepted, to be, you know, one of the boys or whatever the case is, that's the culture that maybe that, that needs to, to be changed. Um, but we don't need to, to obviously talk about it all night, but that's just something, I mean, definitely an important conversation to be had. And, um, yeah, I mean, if, if some, if other people have difference of opinions on this, I mean, this is why we, um, especially living in, in democracies and living in countries that have free speech as dwindling as it is, um, we're able to have these discussions, right. And, and, and look and positively kind of move things forward. Um, so we got to get into some dolphins football because, Camp camp started yesterday, 
Camp started yesterday or today. I forget which day it was, but camps camp started recently, which is the start of the NFL season. Um, the Hall of Fame game is next Thursday, and then we've, I believe, or the Thursday after, and then we've got preseason for the next three, four weeks, and then we've got the NFL season starting. So we love the NFL so, so much. Um, this is going to be our this is our prime gambling. We're obviously going to bring up bring up tons of picks, tons of props, that kind of stuff. Like this is this is where we thrive. We make tons of money on this stuff. Um, but I do want to start about the Dolphins because Xavier Z- <laughs> Howard just comes out. He requested a, a formally requested a trade from the Dolphins because he's not happy with his contract. Released a whole clip of him today, basically talking about and. Uh, talking about how well you know like I signed the deal and I um you know the deal that I signed I wasn't really happy with and I'll read a couple uh a couple lines from this so Xavier Howard quote says uh, I've given my heart and soul to Miami Dolphins franchise since they drafted me in 2016 wanted to make it clear that I love my teammates um my experience with the Dolphins the past few seasons has taught me that in 2018, I signed an extension that I'll admit I didn't completely understand or feel comfortable with. Uh, I played on the deal for two seasons, didn't complain, but everyone knows I've significantly outperformed that deal. It uh, goes on to say that and this is paraphrasing, but he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. The tape backs it up. I'm the second highest paid quarterback on my own team, and it's not even close. Um, you know, basically talks about how they've approached the Dolphins with different things, different options for them to, you know, more guaranteed money or whatever the case is. And then, um, you know, kind of finishes it with that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm at camp so I don't get fined and I'll handle myself like professionals do. Um, to claim that you didn't know what you were signing in 2018 is absolute horseshit. Why bother having an agent then? If you didn't know what you were signing, when he signed the deal, he was the highest paid corner in the NFL. What more did you want? When you signed the deal, what more could you possibly want? Yes, things have changed. There's more money in the new TV deal. So, of course, guys are going to get paid more now. But, like, it's just some of these comments are just some of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Like, it's, yeah, and it just, it sounds like just a big baby. And this is one of the reasons that I absolutely hate contract renegotiations in the NFL. I will keep banging this drum over and over and over and over again because, you know, Brian Flores is is one of those coaches where he's come out and said, like, I don't love having stars on my team. Like, I prefer team team guys because I feel like stars can kind of get on their own, get in their own way. And obviously I'm paraphrasing, but he's a very team centered guy. And I like that. I think that's how it should be. Right. Because you get, and, and there's another uh, NFL player that I want to get into in a little bit. Cause I find him hilarious. Um, but like you were telling, talking to me about, about stats and corner, cornerback stats for the Miami dolphins. And that essentially like, obviously Xavier Howard had lots of picks, 10 or 11 picks last season. That's a lot. That's a ton. Every time you watched a Miami Dolphins game, he was he was grabbing a pick. And you were telling me that Byron Jones overall had better coverage stats. Yeah, he had a lot of less like miss a lot of more forced drops and some of that stuff. Like Xavier Howard compared to Byron Jones. Xavier Howard is super aggressive. So he gets those interceptions, but he gives up a lot of massive plays as well. Super high risk, high reward. 
Byron Jones is a lot more conservative. He just makes a lot of the plays that you need him to make, not super flashy, makes the hits right away when he can't do it, where Howard's like trying to make a hit, but he's going for the INT at the same time, so a guy catches it and blows by. And that's one of the things you notice in that Buffalo Bills game that really exposed the Miami secondary in the last game of the year was Xavier Howard trying to be super aggressive the entire time. It worked out well the one drive, but the other drives, it's like, yeah, he's just getting torn apart by some of these second-tier receivers. It wasn't even Stefan Diggs. So it's one of those things. The second thing I want to touch on this is, yeah, he's probably outperformed his contract based on the amount of interceptions. The amount of interceptions he had last season was insane. And if you look yep. at his interceptions per game, it's incredible what he's done in this contract. But this is where I hate NFL players. You look at a guy like in the NHL, Nathan McKinnon. He's a way outperformed his contract. The guy's one of the top three players in the NHL, and he's a what, mile. 35th or something paid. This guy, and instead of being like, oh, yeah, I need to get more money, I need to, he's like, nah, man, I want to do things for the team. I'm going to sign a lesser contract again. Because- and not only that, too, but comes out and says, um, I'm fine. When I was a kid, uh, if I knew I was making this kind of money, it would be what, like, this is w- more money than, than I need. And when I signed the deal, that's probably what I was worth. So I'm fine getting paid that because I signed the deal. That's what I was worth at the time. That's what I agreed to. And I'm fine with that. Like maybe Nate McKinnon's just a, that's the kind of person he is. Or maybe it's just that NHL players, and maybe not all of them, but NHL players just know like this is a privilege. Like you're making a ton of money to be a performer, to be an athlete in a sport that you love to play. And you're gonna and, and and you're happy making that kind of money. Then you got these clowns, who are like, yeah, I need more money because I'm not the highest played player on my team, but I think I'm the best. Like fuck yourself, man. Like who do you think that you are? You are not the best cornerback in the NFL. You you're like as you said, there's arguments to be made that you're not even the best cornerback on your team right now based on analytics. Receipt uh, interceptions, sure, fine. But, like, why are you putting yourself over the team? And he wants to say, he was also saying, you know, like, well, I want to go on a team that has a chance to win. Why would you want to get off this team right now? I, I, I cannot understand it whatsoever. Like, you want to talk about a prideful decision or all about me? Like, I'm a big fan of Xavier Howard and what he brings to the table. But I would much prefer to have a less talented cornerback who's about the team than to have a talented cornerback who's about himself. Because, you know, team like team is how you win. Self is not how you win. The age old saying of there's no I in team. There you go. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Like seriously, good riddance. If, if, if that's what you, you know, people are like, well, you, you don't mean that. Like, you know, like you obviously want them. I want somebody who wants to play for the Miami dolphins. If you're more worried about Xavier Howard than the success of the Miami dolphins, then you don't have a place on this team. No, and that's the thing is, do I want Zavian Howard on this team? Of course I do. He is a phenomenal corner, and him and Byron Jones make up one of the scariest corner duos in the league. But if Zavian Howard is going to be like this, I don't want him on a team where it's co- we're coached by Brian Flores when he brings everything that it, the team mentality and stuff. And at the end of the day, we have Byron Jones. We have a first-round pick from last year, Noah Igbenogany, who's looking promising. They just picked up Javon Holland, who's a promising safety. Like, their secondary is still going to be good. It's on the up and up. So if Xavier Howard doesn't want to be a part of this up and up secondary, and I think the Dolphins can turn him into something as you're learning how much a trade request happens in the NFL, it really doesn't force anything or really 
handcuff the team. So if I, I think should, ask the Sean Watson. Watson. Yeah, exactly. So if Zayvon Howard doesn't want to be here, I don't want him on the Dolphins with everything they're bringing culture wise and everything they're doing. I don't want him here. How much I think he's a phenomenal player and one of the better quarters corners in the league. He doesn't fit a part of this team mentality and where they're going, especially with how young they are. Get him out of that locker room. He doesn't need to be there. Nope. And that's the same for anybody, man. Like Tarasenko is another great example where Kraken didn't select him because he's, you know, around the league. There, There's some people who say that he's, you know, a cancer in the room or he's not a great locker room guy that you don't want those guys in your team. And I just like the comment as well. I got to, I got to circle back to this. Cause this really bothered me. The fact that he's like, Oh, I, you know, I want to play for a contender. Okay. So you want to play for like who the chiefs, like you want to play, like you just want to like, are you ring chasing? Is that what you're doing then? Because um, if memory serves correct, the dolphins were like five and uh, in the year that they were tanking, they were five and 11 and then they've increasingly got better. And they were 10 and six last year and barely missed the playoffs. Like, and they had no receiving core, like zero. Devontae Parker was hurt, which, by the way, he started camp hurt again. What a disaster that is. But that aside, their receiving core was a nightmare. They had no, like, zero, run, like, running back, which they still kind of don't. And two was fresh. And they had, like, they basically had an offense that just wasn't, like, Gasecki's good. But they just didn't have an offense that could, that was high-powered enough to get it done. And they won a lot of games because of their defense and, and their and you know, f- like force fumbles and, and, and defensive points and all that kind of stuff. Now you have an offense that has, you know, Will Fuller uh, running down the field Two is going to be better this year. I like I'm, and, and hopefully like we're, we're hopefully going to get the guys from SGP on next week to, to talk about this. And I, and I want to bring up Tua. I know Sean Green hates Tua, but um, I want to bring that up again because yeah, I, I, I just, I just think that, if you're a 10 and 6 team last year and your defense hasn't gotten that much worse and your offense has gotten better, then how are you not playing for a playoff spot here? I don't like I just don't see how this team is not up and coming and not going to be in contention in the next year or two that you just want to jump ship off this team. I, I just I just don't know. No, it, it makes no sense to me. This team's looking on the up and up. This offense is going to take a massive step. Yeah, this defense probably isn't going to end up with the turnovers and scores they had last year. Some of that's definitely going to go down a bit. But overall, I think this defense is much better. You saw, again, I'm going to repeat it again. Week 17, they got exposed by the Bills. I think some of those things that came up in that game are some of the issues I saw all year with them. But they got away with it because they could get a turnover and they could do that. But I think a lot, especially with how young their defense is, you brought in a true edge rusher who could be great in Jalen Phillips. You got Javon Holland. Noe Benogany's had more time. Byron Jones is still great. Like, there's so many more promising things on this defense that I feel really comfortable about it anyways. And this offense should be so much better. I mean, the big question mark still too, in my opinion, whether Howard's here or not, the biggest question mark on how Miami does is to a tag of Iloa. Yep, not yep. is even Howard if he's here or not. Yep. I think, I think that's, and that, that's it. So like, it's just, it's just a lot of noise and I just, I just dislike it. Um, but anyway, we're going to see what happens if, if he actually does get traded. If he doesn't, um, if he doesn't get traded, I mean, he, he still signed the deal. He can choose not to report. He can, or, or play, he can do what he wants. Um, ask Le'Veon Bell, how that works out. Uh, it doesn't. So, I mean, frankly, if, if he's not going to play with his, like the best that he possibly can, 
then I seriously, like, if I'm Miami and there's, I, I don't know, like, do you cut him? Because I don't, I seriously don't want that around. I just don't. Because like, what, what do you want a guy half ass performing on on the, in the corner? Like, no, I, I don't know. It's, it's ugly, honestly. If if that's how it's gonna be. Yeah, and I don't really have much more to say to it. If, if he doesn't want to be on this team, I don't think he should be. I think you should be should be able to find something for him. There's been lots of rumors Chandler Jones wants out of Arizona. So is there a deal there? Arizona needs some secondary help. The Dolphins, one of their weaker parts of their game, is getting pressure. So. Maybe you got to deal one for one there, get two guys who are asking for trade requests out, and maybe we can get Chandler Jones to buy in. So and I think you'll be able pick, to because we love yeah. those. I think you'll be able to get uh, get something for Howard and figure something out. So I'm not too worried, but yeah, I, I, his entire statement's just a bunch of horseshit, and we can digress from there. Did you hear what Aaron Rodgers had to say during his presser today? I heard none of it. No, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he basically gets up on the podium. And obviously, for anybody who doesn't follow NFL just as much, there, there's been rumors that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay, he's not happy, yada, yada, yada. And um, anyway, reports the camp and basically says, yeah, he gets asked the question about Green Bay and, and playing in Green Bay. And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, you know, Green Bay is not really a tropical destination or places that players want to come uh, play because you know it's not balmy here to say the least uh you know but uh but they come here because they want to you know play with me and uh and know that uh you know basically with me that we have a chance to win a championship and i was like man aaron Rodgers, that is cold blooded like you just basically say to to everybody that yeah without me uh you're not getting any free agents and the uh the Packers are a, basically a pile of horseshit, and I'm the, the I, I'm the team. As as much as I don't like that from like anybody else in the league, or maybe like whatever, like Tom Brady, fine, I don't really care. But man, if anybody's earned the right to say something like that, it's got to be Aaron Rodgers, no? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, they've done nothing since he's been the starter there to help him on offense. I mean, every first round pick has been for defense or every top pick they've had is for defense. So for him to start saying some of this, yeah, I think so. I think he's frustrated there. And you keep hearing it's not about the money. And I know some Packers fans are like, of course, it's about the money. It's always about the money in the NFL. For once, I actually don't think it is. It's the fact that, again, their front office hasn't drafted any help for him. It's Devontae Adams and what? I mean, their running backs are good. They just brought in Randall Cobb. (laughs) Yeah, Randall Cobb, who, again, (laughs) five years ago was decent. Now what? But, I mean, he's best friends with Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, if anybody's going to say it, I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the few guys in the league who has the right to kind of step up and say some of this stuff. So, we'll see where it goes from here. I mean, I don't really – I'm not as high on Green Bay as a lot of people are even with it. I still think it's – Rodgers to Adams and what I mean Tunyon showed signs this year but I don't know I still don't trust Green Bay when it comes especially winning in a championship game no chance well and yeah and not only that too but like like this guy has been like being able to say like they come here because of me you're not I mean like he is the face of the Packers since Brett Favre like this guy is like Aaron Rodgers is Green Bay Packers that's it and yeah, and, and you were talking about not about the money. There was reports that he turned down uh, a contract that would have made him the highest paid QB in the league. 
Like, think about that. Mahomes signed a deal that's what, like $50 million a year? And they were going to offer him more money than that? For Aaron Rodgers? Like, are you out of your mind? Like, I... I the, oh, Man, okay. I'm, like, tr- struggling to formulate a thought here because, number one, you know that that fan base and that organization obviously care about him enough or and know that he's bringing in money and tickets and, and revenue overall for all of the shareholders, which is all the fans, that they're going to offer to pay him the most at his age? Are you kidding? So if he turned that down, you know it's not about, as you said, it's not about the money. It's, it's, it's about, yeah, I've been here a long time and you haven't helped me out with shit and we've still got a long way with what you've given me. So I need more help here. I need reassurances from the organization that we're actually invested in this team. And it's not just, you know, Oh, we're just, we're just marching Aaron Rodgers out there. Cause he's, he's our boy and he brings the fans and all that kind of stuff. So man, I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers getting paid more than Patrick Mahomes. Like that's just, that's absolutely wild. Yeah. He wants to win at the end of the day and he doesn't feel like the Packers are putting him in a position to win. You look at a guy like Will Fuller who signed a one year, deal with uh, Miami and you're like why was Packers not in on that why was Aaron Rodgers and stuff why couldn't they convince him to sign the same deal one year where you're not too worried about the money like whatever it's one year and they still don't want to do that they trust who they have there and clearly Aaron's not happy with it I mean they got Cobb for Aaron Rodgers it's the only reason they got him because Randall Cobb is not Randall Cobb anymore and even at his peak how good was he like he's not not as high end as I think Aaron Rodgers is looking for, although they're buddies. So, yeah, at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers wants to win. You see Tom Brady putting on more and more rings every year. You think you're in the same conversation as Tom Brady? You're not. You haven't won anything. So maybe that's on the organization a bit. It's also on you. So, yeah, at the end of the day, he wants to win. And I don't know what else to say past that. Well, and we're gonna obviously going to get into more NFL as it comes up next week. As I said, hopefully we can uh... – we're planning on getting Sean Green and Ryan Kramer from the from the Sports Gambling Podcast on next week. Uh, we've had them on the show before. Um, if everything works out, we'll have to find out early next week. We'll know uh, if they actually are going to join on. But that's the plan. So we're going to talk uh, some fantasy football next week, and we're going to talk some. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk some Dolphins, probably some Giants, probably some Eagles. It'll be uh, an interesting conversation. Definitely something to tune in uh, to next week. Also. Uh, coming up, we also are going to give our predictions for the NFL this year. We do need a couple weeks for this. We're not going to do it right immediately. Um, I mean, frankly, I like to do it right before the season kind of starts after preseason. Um, there's always injuries that can happen, and that's really going to that could. And this is why we do fantasy football actual drafts after preseason because if you know Saquon Barkley, for example, tears another whatever before the season starts, well, I don't know how good the Giants are going to be. So. Anyway, definitely something to look forward to. We're going to get into Tokyo 2020. There's a ton of content on this topic. Uh, Cam, what what do you want to talk about first? You got anything that's like top of mind about Tokyo 2020 that you just want to, they're just bursting to talk about? Oh, if I'm going to start anywhere, it's got to be Penny Alexiak and everything she's kind of doing is Team Canada's greatest Olympian of all time at 21 years old. Uh, yep. Well, six six medals. Yeah, ties Claire Hughes and yep, yep. forgetting the uh, other one who has and, 
who she's tied with there, but she's tied with six and she's 21. She has a couple more races to go this Olympics. Yep. You got to assume she's at least going to compete in one, probably two more Olympics. So by the end of Tokyo 2020, which is weird still in 2021, but at the end of <laughs> Tokyo 2020, Patty Alexiak will be the top medal getter in Canadian Olympic history. I think she's going to win another medal, whatever color it is. And it's just crazy to see. And it's just hilarious still talking like, Jamie Alexiak was bugged a while ago. Like, so how big is your sister in Canada? Like after, like this was right after Rio, like how big is your sister? And he's standing around and I can't remember. They were at some NHL thing and he just kind of says, well, she won the Lou Marsh award. And they're like, Oh, what's that? They're like, okay. It's like the Heisman of Canada, like kind of the big best athlete in Canada and stuff. And they're like, okay, well kind of explain it. He just points over to Sidney Crosby. who's 15 meters away. Yeah. He, she beat out that guy. (laughs) <laughs> just kind of showing like how big she was and how everything she's doing. And that was four or five years ago, I guess now. And she was 16 and now she's kind of taken that next step doing more. And it's huge to see. And just awesome to see. Like I stayed up way later than I should have last night to watch her medal in a event that it didn't look like she really was going to compete in. It looked like, ah, she's kind of like the seventh. She made the finals. So she had a chance and she won bronze and it's just awesome to see. And it just makes you super excited. And, these are one of the moments as a Canadian that it's just so much fun to watch the Olympics. And and not only that, too. Like, I mean, she, she's been unbelievable. But not just her, but all Canadian women in the Olympics right now have just been um, unbelievable. Um, they're, they're winning all the medals. Like, they're, like that's the women have just been absolutely dragging this uh, Team Canada ship along thus far at the Olympics and just doing amazing things. Um, you know, like the gold medal in weightlifting. Unbelievable. Um, and just, uh, one quick thought on Penny, just, I know it'll transition well into another point you wanted to touch on, but some of the things over the last five years that she's talked about is she took a big stretch of not competing in swimming. She still trained. She did everything else just cause mentally it was exhausting. She always heard like, Oh, you did so well at your first Olympics. You won what? Four medals, like a gold medal. You're unbelievable. Like, so every event she went to, she's like, I got to win every event and it takes a strain on you mentally. So it made her not enjoy swimming. So she took a break in the middle of the cycle for four years Olympics and she's come back enjoying the sport again. She's so happy to be an Olympian. She's so happy to be at the Olympics and nothing makes her happier than competing at the world's highest stage. So to just see her come out and be super honest about that is awesome to see. Cause yeah, she's one of the best athletes in Canada. She's getting a ton of money through sponsorships. I know the swimmers don't make as much money as like an NHL player, but Penny Alexiak's in plenty of commercials. She's making fine money doing what she's doing. And just for him to come out and say that and be super honest about it is awesome to hear. And I think that's where this will transition quite well into kind of an Olympian you want to touch on. Yeah. So, I mean, this is all over everything right now. Simone Biles um, pulled out of the, out of the team gymnastics competition and then further proceeded to pull out of the individual competition Um in a sense, citing mental health issues. And this is something that we've never really seen. I, I, I think that this is one of the first times, especially on this big of a stage that we've seen someone um, pull out of, of this, like, you know, this magnitude of a moment citing mental health issues. And, um, and again, like it, it, there's multiple opinions to be had and there's kind of two different sides. So, um, the, the, the one side is everybody's calling her super brave and, and, and saying, you know, like you're, you know, a great role model, this, that, and the other thing, like you, 
you know, you're, you're obviously the, the best, uh, you know, gy- gymnast of all time, which I, she's doing things nobody else can do. So I can't, I have a hard time disagreeing with that. Um, and like, it, you know, if she can pull out of the Olympics and you can, you know, do this or do that, or, or, you know, it's a really good conversation for mental health. Um, and then the other side of the, uh, of this is, is that you have, uh, an athlete who is the greatest athlete who's in a sense abandoning her team. Uh, you know, it, I mean, this is a bit extreme, but this is how America is abandoning your country. Um, you know, you know, wasting an opportunity that could have been, um, taken by some other teammate that, you know, didn't get to go to the Olympics because you went to the Olympics and you're just squandering it. Um, and it's been back and forth. And I just, I, I just want to comment that I, I think that both things can be true. I, I don't think that it it, can, it has to be exclusive. I think that there is a valid argument to say that um, when you do Olympic qualifiers and you go to a tournament, somebody doesn't get to go. And, you know, obviously it's, 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 it's very possible that, you know, she didn't feel that way going to Tokyo, went to Tokyo and was having mental health issues. Um, but somebody didn't get to go. Somebody was left on the outside and, and their spot was taken and you can't just call them up from the U S to come now. It's too late. Like you're, you're withdrawing and that's how it is. And you commit, you did commit to be part of this team. And you know, and that's when you make commitments like that, I would expect, and this is again, similar to like when you sign contracts, when you do all this stuff, I'm the kind of person that when you agree to do something, you, you do something and you commit to it. Now on the other side of that is, um, do I think that athletes should have to do anything? No, absolutely not. If she doesn't want to do it, like if she goes and she's like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. She shouldn't be forced to by any means. Do I think that it's necessarily right? I I don't know. I'm I'm just kind of in the middle. I think it's just open for discussion and something that I'd want to get your opinion on here because I'm, I I hear both sides of the table. So I think that it's fair. I think that it's absolutely fair to say it's okay for her to worry about her mental health and not play because of her mental health. But at the same time, acknowledging that, yeah, this kind of sucks for somebody else who didn't get to go and compete. And you're kind of letting you like, yeah, your teammates are in your, and your gymnastics team are left shorthanded. I think both of those things are fair to say at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I think it started off earlier in this year when Naomi Osaka started pulling out of major events because of citing her mental health. She just couldn't do it. She didn't want to do interviews. So then she pulled it out because of everything that went on. So I think it's kind of led to allowing more people to do it. And we're seeing with Simone Biles. She's probably the greatest gymnast of all time, arguably the greatest Olympian of all time. And for her to do this is, from my, my perspective, is awesome. I mean, she's basically on the world's biggest stage saying it's okay to not be okay all the time. It's fine. It happens to the best of us. And the the reason I don't agree with kind of your second part of your statement there is they bring subs on. Do you know how many people would take to get injured to, for somebody else to be like, Oh, that person could have gone. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. Simone Biles again is the greatest of all time. Probably. If there's a 1% chance Simone Biles is competing, you're bringing her instead. Even if she was a sub. The second part of that is we need to, to a certain extent, look at some, a lot of these mental illnesses as much as if she broke her leg. Yep. Is any If she breaks her leg in practice, is anybody saying anything? Oh, we should have brought somebody else. How could you even gone? No. She clearly didn't know this was going to be a big of an issue going over there. 
If she did, then that's a bigger issue. But all of that around it, she didn't know that. So there's a subs a part of your team to be there for moments like this. If it was a physical injury that everyone could measure, nobody would be second guessing this at all. But because it's mental health, everyone's got to second guess it. And that doesn't help anybody. It's not going to help her. It's not going to help the team. And she felt horrible. But at the same time, like her words was, she was shaking. She thought it was going to be unsafe for her to try the moves she was doing. She knew she probably wasn't going to land them. So to say she let down her team, it would probably would have let down her team more if she was competing and not 100%. It was probably better of her to be like, no, I can't do this to the ability that you need me to. So our next sub is better than I am today. So that's kind of where I stand on it. And from my perspective, I love to see this. Like These are the greatest athletes saying that mental health and just it's okay to not be okay at all times, especially on the biggest stage. This is supposed to be, again, like she could walk away with like every gymnast gold medal if she's at the top of her game. Like nobody else competes with her. So for me, it's great to see. And I mean, I hope she can compete in some of the events and really figure it out and hope she gets better. And that's kind of where I stand on the subject. No, I think I think it's fair. Um, I, I don't really, and this is kind of where like I don't actually have – as I said, I can see both. I can understand where both sides of the argument are coming from. I don't actually have an opinion one way or the other because I'm just kind of like, um, yeah. I mean, I just, you know, as I said, I, I do, I do have a firm belief that I don't think that anybody should be forced to do anything. If she doesn't want to do it, then she doesn't have to do it. I don't think she's a criminal or a disgrace to her kind. Like I don't think any of that. And this is kind of where like that national, you know, that nationalistic. Um, you know, kind of view of the Olympics from some, from, you know, some areas is like, especially, you know, the U S being one of the powerhouses in the Olympics where like, you're letting down your country. I'm like, man, like what you're not, this isn't like you're storming the beaches of Normandy and all of a sudden you're like, fuck this and swimming out into the ocean. Like that's not, it's not even close. Like you're not abandoning your brothers to get gunned down by a machine gun. Like you're not swinging on, on ropes and you're not, you know, jumping on mats. Like it's like, we just got to like that argument. I just got to put that into like a better perspective here because that it's just, it's just not the same and you shouldn't be forced to do something that you don't want to do. Um, so I, yeah. And, and it, as you said, from a mental health thing too, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, th- I think it's helpful for people who are not professional athletes to see that I, I do because, you know, the people that think that they're alone or, or that, you know, are saying there's always that internal dialogue. Nobody else is going through this. I'm the only one who feels like this. And it's just that upfront example that there is somebody else who, you know, there is somebody else who feels like that. It just happens to be the the best gymnast in, in the world. Right. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, a, a positive thing. Um, but, but overall, like it's, it's just caused so, so much controversy. And I just think for me, it just boils down to at the end of the day, uh, it's a game. Um, these Olympics mean nothing for anybody unless you're a male from South Korea and, uh, that's it. It's a game. And really does it matter? No. In the grand scheme of life, this does not matter whatsoever. If you medal, if you place what, like it, it, it doesn't matter. The, as I said, the only people that this matters to are the two Korean golfers that are playing. That's it. That That is it. There's no life consequences to this. 
No. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, let's, uh, transition into a happier thing. And then, I mean, you transitioned well there and talk about the golf a bit. So I'm not sure if all of our listeners would completely understand that reference, but basically the South Korean golfers, if they don't win a medal here, uh, it's one of the options they can do to get out of doing their mandatory military service. So we've seen it with Sorry to interrupt. male, male golfers, like the, the two, two, there's two male golfers that are, that are playing that, that are that as you, as you were kind of saying that if they get a medal, they get exempt from mandatory two-year military service, which South Korea does. Um, but it's only able-bodied males. Women can volunteer, but able-bodied males have a two-year minimum uh, mandatory military service. Yeah. So we've seen it before on the PGA tour where Sung Moon Bay was really a young star on the PGA tour and he got stuck having to go do his mandatory military service and he really hasn't been able to rebound his golf career so the two guys we have here it's the same deal like this is huge for them this is life-changing they wouldn't have to do that they get to compete in golf forever and that's why you see a guy like Sanjay M who just competes every week because he's either got to win a major or win a medal at the olympics those are your only options of getting out of your service so he's just got to try and get better and better each week so, I mean, there's kind of three or four people I'm kind of cheering for then. I got to cheer for the Canadians who I think are going to be definitely somewhat favorites and I want them to medal. And then the South Korean guys, for one of them to pick up a medal and make a difference in their life would be awesome to see. Because, you know, either of them is going to be just as excited to winning bronze as they would be gold, really. To them, it's life-changing. It's massive. Well, and that's where it comes into, like, there's life implications here. Right, this is livelihood at stake for some of them. And now, to be fair, they chose to wait until, in a sense, the last minute. It's kind of not really last minute, but they had many years of they've had a couple years of PGA play under their belt. They could have done it right when they turned eighteen or nineteen or whatever the minimum age is. They didn't. Um, I I respect that move because you you get the bag right. You you secure the bag while you can. Because you don't know if you play, if you take two years off, that if you're going to make it at 22, 23, 24, whatever the case is. Um, so get the money while you can, if you can. Um, but yeah, I mean that would be that would be so so exciting to see. Honestly, like that would be it, the the next. As I said, I mean there's going to be obviously favorites there. Like our our normal boys are going to be there. Like would I be choked to see Justin Thomas win? No, I like Justin Thomas. I like Justin Thomas a lot. Would it be awesome to see Corey Connors win? Absolutely. It'd be awesome to see him win. Yes. Um, I, I only wish that Bryson DeChambeau could actually have played because then like I could have hate watched because not only is it the U S but it's also Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> so I could absolutely hate watch that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Justin Thomas. I really like you as a golfer. You're one of the best personalities on the tour, but I do not want to see you win this week. I do not want to see you on the podium. <laughs> You're wearing U.S. colors. I don't want to see you be successful. Come on. He's such a good guy. So so fun. But he's uh, he's American, and I don't want to see Americans on the podium at all. Yeah, it's uh, true. The, the other funny thing to talk about, kind of when it touches on the golf, is Rory McIlroy playing for Ireland. And I don't know if you kind of understand this circumstance at all, but he's actually playing for Ireland, Ireland which is kind of a weird thing if you think about it, because he actually technically, Northern Ireland is a part of, uh, Great Britain. So yep. it, it was kind of something that I never thought about till today. So he's playing with Shane Lowry and he's representing Ireland. So they were talking about him. Yeah, realistically, he had the choice way back when, but because the golfing side 
the Irish golf, whatever they are, the like golf Ireland, they run all the events on the entire Island. So all through his life, he played in Ireland golf events and tours and stuff. So for him, it was a, not really a hard choice when he had to make the decision, but I was just hearing that today and I'm like, Oh yeah, I completely didn't realize that Northern Ireland isn't actually a part of Ireland when it comes to like legality. And I guess geography, geography is the word I'm looking for money too, man. They're like, yeah, they're, they're euros in, in, in Ireland, they're euros in Northern Ireland. They're yeah. They're pounds. Like you cross over that border in Northern Ireland, whether you're in uh, new Derry or uh, Belfast and you're, yeah, you're paying pounds. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's just nuts. Um, so Rory McIlroy was wearing like great Britain stuff though. I'd be super confused. It would just look so weird. weird. I'm like, no, this isn't okay. And technically I guess he should be. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I, this is the thing is like, I always like always, always cheer for Canadians, Canada, all that kind of stuff. But there's so many like good, like good competitors on that like in this tournament and guys that I like where I'm like, man, I just, I just want to see a good tournament. I just want to see like somebody that I like win or like the South Koreans medal or the Canadians medal or somebody that I like on the podium. Like I would be choked if Patrick Reed got a medal, like absolutely gutted if Patrick Reed got a medal. Yeah. I mean, it would be horrible. And I mean, that's kind of something we never touched on is uh, Bryson DeChambeau test positive for COVID. So he's out. So the big joke around Twitter and everywhere was, oh, great for the U.S. Bryson DeChambeau's out. We can finally get another guy we can really stand behind and cheer for. And the U.S. announces Patrick Reed. And everyone's like, all right, I guess never mind. Because we probably go from the most hated golfer on the tour to the second most hated golfer on the tour. Oh, my gosh. Even worse is John John Rahm also tested positive for COVID and had to pull out of the Olympics. And in any other tournament, he could have played any other one because he tested positive was it uh was was it the u.s open he, he tested positive for and had to pull out it was the memorial the week or two weeks before the u.s open right and he was leading after by six three rounds strokes. yeah by six strokes had to pull had to, had to withdraw and in any other tournament he's within that there's kind of like this th- there's a three-month gap that if you test positive within that three months since you're di- since you first tested positive that you can, can you can play the tournament. Yeah, so the PGA rule overall is if because as the CDC has said, you can test positive for three months afterwards. So the PGA rule is is if you've been vaccinated and have tested positive within those ninety days, that you can still compete. So the big question mark is he had to be vaccinated, and when he at first wasn't, but now he did have his first shot, so he'd be allowed to play on a PGA Tour event, but not the Olympics. Which honestly, just the kick in the nuts. Like seriously, you have you have to give up a six-stroke lead withdraw, and then you have to withdraw out of the Olympics. Like man, that is tough. At least the only positive I can see for him is that the next Olympics is only three years away, so he doesn't have to wait another four years, you know, to get another crack at it. But I mean, it's not been a good summer for John Rom. This guy's got to stay away from the COVID. I guess I don't know what he's doing, but man, that it's just a tough beat. It's a yeah, tough, I mean, tough, tough beat. beat. He's, he's won a major. He's had a kid. I think he's okay with his summer. But, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, the circumstances, everything around it. But, I mean, I kind of do understand how the Olympics, especially with the way the village and everything's working, it has to be different. 
if a guy tests positive, you just, you can't really look at everything around it. It just has to be like, no, I do understand how it's different. And John Roms came out and he was super honest about it and was like, yeah, I understand the circumstances. It sucks. It's horrible. But I understand as well. Like it's kind of got to be black and white. If you test positive for the Olympics, doesn't matter. And he, same way at the Memorial, when he tested positive, or when he was in that situation because he was near close contact, if he had been vaccinated, he might've been able to finish the tournament, but he had chosen at that point to not get vaccinated. So he stood up and he said, yeah, that was my choice. I made the choice. I knew the circumstances and it ended up biting me in the ass. So then he decided he looked into it a little more and was getting vaccinated. So now it sucks for this to happen, but I mean, I'll give plenty of props to John Rom for a guy who has been a total spaz and, anger issues on the golf course over the years when a situation comes where you legit could be quite quite angry he has taken this amazing and really like i've i've earned a lot of respect for john rom which is being like yeah like the circumstances suck but i understand and these are the things that happen so like let's move on and well he's a dad now right so that 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 does change your demeanor a little bit for sure and i can speak from experience not that i was by any means a spaz or a hothead before, but it's just, you know, like often, at least in my experience, like life just gets put into a different perspective, right? You just understand that, um, you know, there, there's just, there's a lot more important things. There's a lot more important things. Family's number one, your kids are number one and everything else is, uh, that doesn't really matter in, in comparison. Um, I got one more golf thing and then there's a couple other Olympic things I want to talk about. The golf thing does Trent, does Trent Ryan break a hundred tomorrow? Because the the bar the uh, foreplay uh, does Trent break a hundred challenge thing? The next episode, the next installment comes out tomorrow night. Does Trent break a hundred this weekend? No. <laughs> no explanation. Just no. Absolutely not. I just I I don't under like it makes no sense to me. He strikes the ball well. He drives it in play every hole, which is huge. He's like shooting these over a hundred without losing a ball. Which just blows my mind. Like, how can your short game be that bad, especially starting to play a ton of golf? Like, how can you be that bad of a putter still? Like, he has multiple four putts around. Like, I get angry at myself if I have multiple three putts in a round. This guy has, like, four and five putt holes. So, I, I don't see him breaking 100 unless he really spends some time working on the putting. Two things. Number one, Trent Ryan hits the ball better than I do. He and hits I it more putt, consistently. I putt infinitely better than he does yeah like, that doesn't take anything <laughs> my dog might be able to pet just as good as putt just as good as him well fuck you i was trying to stroke my putting ego a little bit but it's fine it's fine it's fine uh i break 100 i i i'm like do you think that he's not breaking 100 because they know that this is like profitable yeah i think it's got to go on like they want to get like 10 or 15 episodes in and then eventually he has to break a hundred. I mean, one, he hits it too good Two, I mean, the series would just go on forever. And I don't know if like five years from now, I still want the series going on. Just try and break a hundred. And it's like 2026. <laughs> like it just can't, it can't happen. But that being said, if that series ended after like two episodes, it'd be really dumb. It'd be like the worst series ever. And they're getting tons of views on it online. Right. So like from a mark, not that I'm saying it's fake by any means, I mean, Frankie is Frankie Borelli's getting really excited for this guy. And like, I wish I had a height. I have like the opposite. You're like the opposite of Frankie Borelli. 
like Frankie Borelli is like hyping the shit out of Trent. And when I play with you, it's like, that's the opposite. Now we often do play on separate teams. So I understand it, but you got to take a page out of Frankie's book. I need some, I need some love. I need some love on the course cam. Well, when we're playing tomorrow in the pouring rain, when we're not competing for anything, maybe, maybe you'll get some, maybe. Okay. I can't, I can't make any promises. This is going to be the can Zach, the bandit Burke shoot under a hundred. And we'll let you know next week. If I shoot under a hundred tomorrow, um, anyway, well, I guess we'll see. I hope he does. I also kind of hope he does it. Actually, the one thing about that too, is I often say, Oh, Trent. Oh, Trent. Oh, Trent. Oh, Trent. Oh, Trent. As if I could hit that better, which is very, uh, unlikely. Um, Olympics. There's two things. Number one, rugby, the rugby sevens. I find that entertaining. Don't understand the rules still. I've watched like a bunch of that, like a bunch of games still don't get it. I've looked up the rules Still don't get it. Entertaining to watch. Man, there is just such a discrep- like discrepancy in how good teams are and how bad teams are, and it's nuts. Like, that has to be the biggest gap in sports is, is, is rugby. Like, New Zealand just comes out and just kicks the shit out of everybody. Australia does the same thing. Like, I was watching the South Korean team versus, like, Argentina or whatever it was. I tweeted about it. Um, at Zach Burke over six, and I was like, "Man, this is tough to watch." It was like fifty-two to zero, and it like I just I, again don't understand the rules, but South Korea couldn't get anything going, and their guys are all tiny against this Argentina team who's big. And I'm like, I don't know how big Argentina rugby is, but man, it was oh my god, like it's so good to watch, but at the same time, like fifty-two, it's just oh, it was so bad. Like just I just can't believe that there's like how do these teams make the Olympics? How? Yeah, I, I I don't get it, but it's absolutely hilarious because you get yeah you get New Zealand who's number one far and away. It's not even close in rugby. Then you kind of get Australia that probably number two consistently. Then you have a group of like three or four teams that are kind of in the middle can sometimes compete with Australia, and then you just get every other team that sucks. I mean, this is the argument that women's hockey shouldn't be in the Olympics too because it's U.S. Canada. And pretty much nobody else. Everyone else basically sucks. Like we see 10 nothing games all the time. So you pretty much have the same argument with rugby because New Zealand's just so dominant. So you're like, really, should this be in the Olympics? Really? Like, do we want sports that are non-competitive at all? But I think you get that in most of these sports because, I mean, you see so many countries just specialize in sports. Like I'm trying to figure out like yesterday watching indoor volleyball. Iran is a powerhouse for volleyball and Poland. <laughs> Like, it just seems so random to me. Like, Yeah. Why are Iran and Poland so good at indoor volleyball? Why is the Polish professional league the biggest league in the world? It just seems so random. And so rugby, you just get New Zealand's the powerhouse, and that's where the big guys play. The one sport that I watched that I really, really, really liked was basketball 3, 3x3. Really, really liked it. And it's a really gimmicky Olympic sport, frankly. I cannot believe that it's an Olympic sport because it's kind of like, eh, in terms of like just the overall, like, oh, it's, it's obviously new, but I found it super entertaining, like just watching and it. And it, it's basically like it's backyard basketball. Cause people are just chucking up twos and ones. And like, there's, there's a, do you know the rules behind the double bonus in terms of fouls? I do not know. Okay. So there's, you can foul as many times as you want, but they want it to be fluid. So it's like a, it's like a 12 minute game or something and the clock never stops. Um, after six fouls, you get, you get two shots. Okay. 
and the clock stops, blah, blah, blah. The other team gets the ball back after the shots. Um, after once you hit 10 fouls, every single foul is two shots and the other team and the, and the team that shot the foul shots get the ball back and it's called the double bonus. And it's first. And the other thing I like about it, it's first team to 21. Like I was watching the men's final and it was Latvia versus uh, the Russian Olympic committee. I have a comment on that in one second, but man, like it's like 19 to, to 18. It's a close game. There's 40 seconds left. And this guy, this Latvia guy is just, just like fade away two because there's no three pointer. So outside of the arc, it's a two The fade away two to win the game because they get the first one to 21 super fast pace, super exciting. I don't know. I'm a big fan. I think it's, as I said, gimmicky, but in terms of sports to watch, I just found it super, super entertaining. Yeah, the only thing I find weird about this is they were like getting almost getting rid of wrestling in the Olympics and bringing in some of these gimmicky sports. And I'm like, wasn't wrestling like one of the original Olympic yes. sports? How do we get rid of that and bring in skateboarding and like 3v3 basketball? We can't do bring in gimmicky sports and get rid of one that was literally in it in ancient Greece. But yeah, some of these sports are wrestling. Yeah, some of these sports are super fun and super exciting. And I think something like 3v3 basketball also gets a lot of younger generations into it. So I think it could be huge for that. I mean, younger generations need something to cheer for, and it's a new sport. It's kind of exciting. And it's it's awesome for just something a little – I think it's definitely towards a younger demographic, demographic to watch the Olympics. Last comment on the Olympics, and we're going to wrap this thing up. The Russian Olympic Committee is the biggest sham ever. After that doping scandal, they basically are like, okay, you can't fly the Russian flag and some athletes are banned, but we're going to allow the athletes who were clean and didn't have any part of it to be able to compete under no banner, but are called the Russian Olympic Committee. And in the broadcast, it's like, oh, the athlete, athlete from Russia. Oh, home to, like, this person's Russia, Russian this, Russian that. I'm like, this is nothing. Everybody knows that it's Team Russia. Like, why, why even bother having this Russian Olympic Committee? Well, if they win a medal, their a gold medal, their anthem doesn't get played. Who gives a shit? Like, it's it's just so dumb. I, I, I don't understand how that's a sanction at all. Like, I, 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 I'm, I don't know. And maybe it shouldn't bother me as much as it does. But to me, it's like, okay, it's like, it's like punishing your kid. It's like sending them to their room, but they get to take cake with them. Like, it's dumb. And I get you don't want to punish every single athlete, but why bother saying you can't fly the Russian fl- I don't know. I just, find, I just find the whole thing just really stupid. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I'm looking at the standings for the medal count, and it's like ROC, third. I'm like, I thought the whole entire point of this was they weren't recognized as a country. They aren't recognized as that. Like, the athletes who weren't a part of it still deserve to be Olympic athletes. I agree. But they should be independent athletes. They shouldn't be Russian athletes. They shouldn't be ROC with, they still have the Russian colors. They should just all be independent athletes, have the Olympic rings on all their stuff, and that's it. You that's don't it. do anything. Yeah, they deserve 100%. They've worked their entire life to be an Olympic athlete. They deserve the chance to be there. But there should be nothing to do with Russia there then. If that's your sanction, there shouldn't be Russia Olympic Committee. There shouldn't be the colors. There shouldn't be any of that. They shouldn't be... We should be trying to avoid. I know it's going to come up, and you are going to say the athlete from Russia. That is going to come up. It's hard to avoid that. But when it comes to everything else, they should be literally wearing the Olympic rings, being an independent athlete, and there shouldn't be a medal count for the Russian Olympic Committee. That should all be taken away. That's a true sanction. I mean, you're always, you're never going to 100% avoid that they're from Russia, 
But everything else, yeah, I 100% agree. It was driving me crazy today. I'm like, how could there be a medal count for a team that's not supposed to be here? It's not even a real team. Are you really telling me the Russian Olympic Committee? Nobody's like, yeah, Russia. I'm doing it. Yeah. I do it myself now. Exactly. After seeing it so much, I'm calling them Russia because they are at this point. Th- their, their logo is like the Olympic torch in Russian colors. Like, I'm sorry, what? That I, And again, th- again, this does not affect my life in any way at all. I just find it just such a joke that after that whole scandal and people were robbed of medals and all this other crap. And then the, the IOC is like, yep, we're cracking down on doping and this whole doping scandal. JK, you get to have your colors and you get to have your Olympic committee and you get to do this and you get to do that, but we're slapping down you with some sanctions. It's like, what a joke, man. Either just do it or don't like, don't just be like half like lukewarm on it. Like do it and be like, no Russia. You get to be an Olympic athlete. As you said, independent. That's it. No affiliation. As you said, okay, from Russia, from whatever, Moscow, that's where they live, bio, whatever. But no metal count, none of that garbage. I don't know. It's just, it's not because I'm salty because Canada's like eighth in metal count. If we're like even on the metal count board, that's amazing. Because we'd like. What happens if the ROC wins the metal count? Are they really going to like be like, oh, yeah, the Russian Olympic Committee won the Olympics. Okay, so Russia won the Olympics. No, they should count as the no Olympics won the, the Olympics won the Olympics. Independent athletes, it's like, yeah, there's no medal count. There's nothing. They're just competing for themselves. Well, you can't. And that's the thing, too. You can't put them under the same banner because if they're if they're independent athletes, it's not a they're not a team. No, exactly. It's just like, oh, John Smith won a medal. Good for you, John Smith. You're not going to put John Smith and jane doe and lumped them all together like it's i don't know super dumb anyway uh anything else you want to you want to touch on before we hit it that's all i got for this week it's kind of been a crazy day still trying to catch up on all the free agent news and i mean there's probably more to happen over the next few days so that's always exciting and just ready to sit down and watch some more olympics watch some women's basketball at the moment and uh watch some of this golf it's gonna be exciting and we will uh we'll update you next week hopefully we've got some uh i'm sure that we'll there's gonna be many more storylines to come um in the nhl in the nfl uh and especially in uh, tokyo 2020 and uh and as always thank you for listening to uh the over six sports podcast you can follow us on twitter at over six sports at c charlton turf and at Zach Burke over six and for the over six sports podcast. I am Zach the bandit Burke. And with me is the turf King Cameron Charlton. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you.